Good morning. Troubling trend. COVID cases surging again from coast to coast. Every state is going to be seeing this waning immunity. Every state's going to have to deal with it. And fears growing with the Thanksgiving holiday next week. Just ahead, Dr. Anthony Fauci now calling boosters for adults essential. Will the FDA greenlight them for all? We'll have complete coverage. Breaking overnight, mounting tragedy. A nine-year-old boy dies from injuries suffered in that Astro World concert stampede, bringing the death toll to 10. Just ahead, the heartbreaking message from the boy's family and where the investigation goes from here. Under pressure, President Biden ready to sign that landmark infrastructure package into law today, but his approval rating taking another nosedive and his Build Back Better agenda in major doubt. We're live in Washington. Trial watch, closing arguments set for today in the homicide case against Kyle Rittenhouse. His fate now hours away from being in the hands of the jury. His mother speaking out in defense of her son. To this day, if he didn't have that gun, my son would have been dead. Our interview and a live report from the courthouse straight ahead. Those stories plus new royal health scare. The queen forced to miss her first Remembrance Day ceremony in 22 years. But the palace is saying this morning. Today, Monday, November 15th. 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. Thank you for being with us on that uh, Monday morning. It is Monday. The day, it's such a Monday. <laughs> but you know who's out there? Who? The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. We got our tree <laughs> out. We're getting ready. A couple of weeks from, from I think, well, December 1st, we're yeah. going to have the tree lighting. <laughs> but anyway, Monday, isn't we it? are very, very excited about that. <laughs> but we've got a lot of breaking news to get to this morning, including that news out of Houston overnight. Nine-year-old Ezra Blunt, now the youngest victim of the Astroworld disaster, passing away from his injuries. We will have the very latest on that. Meantime, in Washington, after months of disagreement and debate, President Biden's trillion-dollar infrastructure bill finally becomes law today. We'll have more on that and the president's now record low poll numbers and his virtual meeting later today with the leader of China in a live report from Washington. But we begin with the holidays fast approaching as mentioned and new concerns over a winter COVID surge. What this could mean for in-person get-togethers after so many people had to stay home last year. NBC Sam Brock's in Miami with the details on this. Sam, good morning. Hi, Savannah Hoda, good morning. Doctors say one thing is certain, a fifth wave this winter will not be worse than last year because we have the vaccine. But data right now showing something else becoming increasingly clear. Returning to sites like these to get your booster shot, likely your best bet to stay safe this holiday season. Americans are flying right into the holidays, hoping to share hugs, not illness, with COVID cases once again ticking up. We're going to see a post-holiday spike. There's no question about that. COVID infections now up double digits in 20 states, with hot spots ranging from the Northeast to the Great Lakes to the Southwest, making it hard to pin the latest jump on any one factor. Though there's a guaranteed path to put yourself in harm's way. How worried would you be if you're unvaccinated heading into the holidays? There is no doubt that if you are unvaccinated heading into the holidays with the patterns we see, you really do have a target on your back. Dr. Kavita Patel says unvaccinated younger Americans are still the primary driver of COVID nationwide, but a dip in vaccine effectiveness after six months is playing a role too. This morning, strong new language on boosters from top health officials. 
it isn't as if a booster is a bonus, but a booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. The FDA has only authorized boosters for certain populations, although three states, California, Colorado, and now New Mexico, have approved them for everyone 18 and up. Every state is going to be seeing this waning immunity. Every state's gonna to have to deal with it. Helping to stamp out community spread, the crush of young kids newly eligible for a shot. More than 1.1 million children under 12 have already received at least one dose. Meanwhile, superstar quarterback Aaron Rodgers returning to the field Sunday after misleading the public about his vaccination status and testing positive for COVID. Everyone has their own right to get the vaccine or not, but as public figures, I think he shouldn't have lied. And back to the booster conversation. Pfizer has applied to the FDA again for authorization for everybody 18 and up. The difference, guys, this time is they're armed with a study of some 10,000 people with participants of all ages showing they're getting back to that efficacy levels of about 95% in a matter of days, not weeks. Savannah, back to you. All right, we'll see what the FDA does, Sam. Thank you. Also this morning, a nine-year-old boy has now become the 10th victim of the Astroworld tragedy, succumbing to injuries he suffered as the crowd surged toward the stage. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has the latest there. Hey, Miguel, good morning. Hoda, good morning. Attorney for Ezra Blunt's family say they are determined to get answers, but right now they are joined together in grief and prayer. For more than 10 days, nine-year-old Ezra Blunt has been in a medically induced coma. His family believes the little boy was trampled during the Astral World Festival in Houston, suffering injuries to his heart, lungs, and brain. Overnight, a lawyer for the family announcing his death, writing in part, the Blunt family is grieving the incomprehensible loss of their precious young son, Ezra becoming the 10th and youngest victim of the Astral World concert tragedy. After people in the crowd of 50,000 rushed the stage during performer Travis Scott's show, family members say Ezra was at the show on his father Treston's shoulders. During the panic, Treston collapsed, dropping his son. The crowd just starts going crazy and Tristan goes, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. He woke up in the crowd and Ezra was gone. Ezra's aunt Taylor, talking to Morgan Chesky before his death, said Ezra was a huge Travis Scott fan and excited to see the show. And he's very, he's outgoing. He loves to sing and, and perform. He loves to skateboard. He just, he does anything like, he's, he's just very bold. <laughs> The family, like many affected by the Astro World concert events, are looking for answers. It was something I've never seen before. I just feel like people should be able to um, enjoy the glue of the world because music holds everybody together and people shouldn't have to die. The Blunt family's attorney have filed a lawsuit against Scott and the concert promoters. Scott has said he's devastated by the Astroworld tragedy, and his attorney has said the rapper couldn't see the magnitude of the disaster while performing. Live Nation said in a statement Friday, we continue to support and assist local authorities in their ongoing investigation, so both the fans who attended and their families can get the answers they want and deserve. NBC News has reached out to concert organizers along with Travis Scott's team. We have not yet heard back.
Hoda. All right, Miguel Almaguer for us. Miguel, thank you. It's going to be a busy work week for the president in Washington. He will sign that $1 trillion infrastructure bill into law today. Also plans to meet virtually with China's president at a time of real tension between our two countries. And all of it as the president's approval rating drops again and inflation rises. NBC's chief White House correspondent Kristen Welker's got all of it covered. Hi, Kristen. Good morning. Hi, Savannah. Good morning to you. President Biden will sign that bipartisan infrastructure bill into law later today, marking his largest legislative achievement with a big ceremony here at the White House. But that's as the next key part of his agenda is now in jeopardy. As prices rise with record inflation, the president is looking to pump more money into the economy. President Biden is aiming to get his agenda back on track, signing the bipartisan infrastructure bill into law later today, which will pour billions into the country's roads, bridges, and into expanding broadband access. As Democrats press ahead with the president's other priority, the larger $1.75 trillion domestic spending and climate plan. The president's top economic advisor predicting it will pass the House this week, arguing it will help relieve the pressure on Americans' wallets from the highest inflation in years. Then we'll get a vote, it will pass, and it will move on to the Senate. But one of the 13 House Republicans who voted for the infrastructure bill says he is not convinced the House will act. I don't think the votes are there yet. Adding to the uncertainty, the plan faces an uphill battle in the Senate, where a key Democratic holdout, Senator Joe Manchin, has said he's concerned the new spending could send prices higher. A Washington Post-ABC News poll shows President Biden's approval rating ticking down to 41 percent, fueled by concerns over inflation. It comes as the president is set to hold a high-stakes virtual summit with China's President Xi Jinping today, following tensions between Washington and Beijing over a host of issues, including COVID-19, military activities, and human rights. This morning, the family of an American man detained in China is calling on President Biden for help. Kai Li, a Chinese-born businessman, was arrested on espionage charges during a 2016 visit to Shanghai and sentenced to 10 years in prison. His son, Harrison Lee says his father is innocent. Harrison, what message do you want President Biden to convey to President Xi about your father? You need to let President Xi know that the United States will not stand for one of its citizens being arbitrarily detained by a foreign government. Now, we asked the White House overnight if the president plans to raise the case of Kai Lee with President Xi. A senior administration official told NBC News they regularly raise concerns about arbitrary detentions with Chinese officials. Still, the White House is downplaying expectations for this first face-to-face -face meeting between the two leaders. Now, meanwhile, we are watching another big headline here in Washington. Trump ally Steve Bannon has turned himself into the FBI's Washington field office today. You see there in that video captured just moments ago, and he has a court appearance in the afternoon. Bannon is facing two charges of contempt of Congress for refusing to deliver testimony and documents related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol to the committee investigating. Bannon cites former President Trump's claim of executive privilege. Now, if convicted, Bannon could face up to a year behind bars and a fine of up to $100,000. In a statement overnight, former President Trump said, this country has perhaps never done to anyone what they have done to Steve Bannon. Bannon is one of more than 20 Trump associates who've been subpoenaed by the committee. Savannah, back to you.
Be a busy one in Washington, Kristen. Thank you. The closely watched homicide trial of Kyle Rittenhouse is nearing its end. Attorneys making their closing arguments today before the case is turned over to the jury. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez spoke with Rittenhouse's mother ahead of a possible verdict in the coming days. Hey, Gabe, good morning. Hello, good morning. Wendy Rittenhouse says that she is scared heading into the next phase of this trial. Her son's fate could soon be in the hands of a jury, but not before both sides have one last opportunity to make their case. Closing arguments begin today in the homicide trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. After two weeks of witnesses, sometimes heated courtroom exchanges. Or the Don't get line. brazen with me. And emotional testimony from Rittenhouse himself. <laughs> That's right, run. <laughs> How hard was it to see your son break down like that? It was very hard and very difficult. Wendy Rittenhouse says her son is being treated for PTSD. What do you say to people who look at this case and think this teenager had no business bringing a military-style weapon to this chaotic scene. A lot of people shouldn't have been there. And he brought that gun for protection. And to this day, if he didn't have that gun, my son would have been dead. You know, he went down there to help. And he was chased by a mob. Rittenhouse faces six counts, including intentional homicide for shooting and killing two men and wounding a third. It happened during unrest in Kenosha last summer, following the police shooting of a black man, Jacob Blake. The attorney for Gage Grosskreutz, the shooting survivor, says Rittenhouse created the carnage. I don't believe his testimony showed that he was actually in imminent risk of death or great bodily harm. If convicted, the now 18-year-old could face life in prison, the judge indicating he'll allow the jury to consider lesser charges. The case has attracted national attention, dividing those who see Rittenhouse either as a vigilante looking for trouble or a patriot protecting the city. Ahead of a possible verdict this week, Wisconsin's governor has authorized hundreds of the state's National Guard. Are you anticipating, looking forward to, dreading the verdict? I'm scared. I am overwhelmed. 12 people have my son's life in their hands. Today, 12 jurors will be randomly selected from the 18 who have heard the case so far. The deliberations could be underway by tonight, Hoda. All right, Gabe Gutierrez there in Kenosha. Gabe, thanks. And Craig is here with a story we all are going to be hanging on because it has to do with holiday travel. Yeah, of course. Hoda Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Thanksgiving coming up next week, and our nation's airports are expected to be filled. Several factors now have passengers quite concerned about taking to the friendly skies this year. NBC's Tom Costello is at Reagan National Airport with more. So, Tom, a lot of families, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, a little nervous about flying this year. Absolutely. Listen, we have more than 4 million people traveling over the extended, that's flying, over the extended Thanksgiving period. But after the meltdowns we've seen lately, hundreds of thousands of passengers unable to get to where they wanted to go because of the airlines struggling. Now airlines are promising they are staffing up to ensure that they can connect passengers and planes and destinations. At airports nationwide last month, chaos as Southwest and American Airlines canceled more than 4,000 combined flights, citing bad weather and staffing shortages. The whole thing is just a big mess. It's really, really frustrating. 
Both airlines struggled to handle the unexpected surge in passenger traffic after the vaccine rollout. Airlines that lost staff during the pandemic found themselves shorthanded, unable to adjust when complications arose. Now the carriers are aggressively staffing up to avoid a potential nightmare repeat scenario as the holidays approach. Airplanes are going to be full. The demand for the holidays is really robust uh, and strong. For its part, Southwest Airlines is offering its staff frequent flyer miles worth up to $1,400 and as much as triple pay to entice them to work over the holidays. The airline says it's also on track to hire 5,000 additional employees through the winter. American Airlines says it too is moving aggressively, hoping to add nearly 3,200 flight attendants by December, offering a minimum of time and a half pay for staff working on peak travel days and $1,000 bonuses to employees with perfect attendance from November 15th to January 2nd. But the American Airlines Pilot Union has turned down the money, saying the airline has mismanaged its flight operations and extra pay won't fix delays. The issue is the infrastructure and operations after a weather event. The employees are available, the pilots are available, but if we can't get connected to the airplane, then your infrastructure is failing and you won't get the job done, no matter how much money you pump into it. Meanwhile, the FAA is releasing this PSA after reporting more than 5,000 incidents so far this year of bad, even dangerous behavior, most of it mask-related. The latest on Sunday, as a 32-year-old woman was arrested after allegedly verbally, then physically assaulting a Southwest flight attendant on a flight from Dallas to New York. As we've said many times, that can lead to jail time, tens of thousands of dollars in fines, and banned for life by the airlines. By the way, we're watching very closely TSA staffing going into the holidays because TSA officers must be vaccinated by next Monday, three days before, in fact, Thanksgiving. And there's a little concern that they may not be fully vaccinated and therefore may not be fully staffed up. The TSA insists they don't anticipate any problems. Guys, back to you. Well, let's hope not. All right, Tom Costello for us there at Reagan National. Tom, thank you. Well, then there's the question of the weather, but yes. too early to know Thanksgiving yet, right? Well, it's still a little early, but boy, this past weekend, wow. crazy stuff, especially here in the Northeast, showing you something you've never seen before. Yes, a tornado. We've seen those, but we've never seen tornadoes in New York, Connecticut, oh uh, Long Island. And Rhode Island in November, a rare, rare tornadoes, 10 of them. Look at the damage from these things. I mean, just coming all across the, the northeast and on into New England. Yep. Here's what happened. We'll show you the, the radar right now. And here it is pushing through 10 systems, all developing EF1s to EF0 tornadoes across three states. Very warm waters, warmer than usual because of climate change. And as that cold air came in, it fired those up. And now we've got this Alberta clipper that's cutting across. It's bringing light snow throughout the Great Lakes from Grayling, Detroit, Erie, Buffalo, Burlington, Albany, New York as this system pulls away, exiting the northeast areas of rain and snow. We'll taper off later this evening, but we are talking about anywhere from two to four inches of snow from Erie to Bradford, Tupper Lake on up into northern New England. And we're looking at temperatures that are going to warm up briefly as we get into the midweek period. Syracuse 57, New York 59 by Wednesday, 66 in Pittsburgh, 62 Detroit, but then temperatures take a big dip into next weekend. And that's your latest weather guys. All right, Al, thank you. Uh, coming up inside new health concerns for the Queen after her absence from yesterday's Remembrance Day service, the first time that's happened in 22 years. And then Ghislaine Maxwell breaking her silence from behind bars as she prepares to stand trial 
for her alleged role in the Jeffrey Epstein case, which she's revealing after spending a year plus in solitary confinement. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back at 7.30. Looky, looky what oh. we have here. Our new neighbor for the next couple of months or so. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. It rolled in over the weekend. It's getting zhuzhed up like it does. Um, tree lighting is Wednesday, December 1st. It's, it's coming up, but it just, you know the holidays are here when that guy rolls yes. up. Yes. Right? They put the scaffolding cool. up. We got yeah. all the, the, the all tree's the hairs tree in rollers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tree people <laughs> descend <laughs> on the plaza. Exactly. We're going to get right to your 730 headlines this morning. We'll start with breaking news. Police in Britain now say a deadly taxi explosion outside a Liverpool hospital is being treated as a terrorist incident. One person was killed. Another suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Police have detained three men in connection to yesterday's explosion, but they say the motive is still unclear. Authorities are urging the public to remain calm but vigilant as this investigation continues. More breaking news this morning. American journalist Danny Fenster has been released from prison in Myanmar on his way home now to the United States. Bill Richardson, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., says Fenster was handed over to him this morning. It comes just three days after he was sentenced to 11 years of hard labor. Fenster is the managing editor of the online magazine Frontier Myanmar, was convicted Friday of, quote, spreading false or inflammatory information and violating visa regulations. Also this morning, there are new health concerns for the queen. The 95-year-old was forced to miss what was supposed to be her big return to royal duties over the weekend. Chanel's here. She's got more on all this. Morning, Chanel. Good morning to you guys. The queen had only missed the Remembrance Day service in London, similar to our Veterans Day, a handful of times in her seven decades on the throne. And there had been huge anticipation that she would be there yesterday after pulling out of other recent engagements because of health issues. It was a day the Queen did not want to miss, the Remembrance Sunday service in London. Paying tribute to Britain's fallen soldiers is one of the most important on her calendar. The palace saying that the 95-year-old monarch is suffering from a sprained back, adding Her Majesty was disappointed to miss the service. Instead, her son Prince Charles laid a wreath on her behalf. The event was expected to be the Queen's first public appearance after canceling events in recent weeks on doctor's advice. It's something that palace sources have said is possibly the most inked in occasion in her diary. In other words, one of the most important events in her annual calendar. Therefore, for her to miss this event yesterday was a big deal. 
the Queen was advised to rest in October following a busy schedule, canceling some key events in her calendar and even spending a night in the hospital. Prime Minister Boris Johnson assuring the country there is nothing to be concerned about. I just wanted to, to reassure everybody by saying that I did see uh, the Queen uh, for an audience uh, last week uh, on Wednesday in Windsor and, and she's very well. So I just, you know, it, it shouldn't need saying, but I, I just wanted to, to say it anyway. Sunday also saw Prince William saluting war veterans as they marched past. With Kate, the Duchess of Cambridge, watching the ceremony from a balcony. Last week, Harry and Meghan doing their part to honor veterans at a military ceremony in New York. While other royals continue with their busy schedules, Prince Charles, who turned 73 over the weekend, leaves tomorrow for his first royal tour since the pandemic. He and wife Camilla visiting Jordan and Egypt. We're all uh, wishing the mm -hmm. queen well. I didn't realize she was about to. She's about to celebrate 70 years on the throne coming up. It's such a big deal. We were just talking about this. She's set to become the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee next year, representing an unprecedented 70 years as head of the royal family. Now there are events and celebrations planned for June of 2022, but of course, questions remain as to whether she will attend and what her public schedule will look like in the coming months, especially after this latest health scare. A back sprain would be painful mm -hmm. for any yes. of us, yeah. let alone someone who's 95. Exactly. So we're praying Good for her. Point. Yeah. Thanks, Chanel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just ahead here on a Monday morning, Jeffrey Epstein's confidant, Galene Maxwell, breaking her silence from jail. What she's saying about her time in prison ahead of her upcoming trial and if what she's saying could impact her case right after this. We're back 739 with In-Depth Today. This morning, a new development tied to the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. That's right. His confidant, Glenn Maxwell, now sharing a vivid look at her time in jail as she prepares to stand trial. NBC's Stephanie Gosk has that story. Stephanie, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. It's been over a year since Ghislaine Maxwell was arrested in connection with alleged sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. She's been in custody that whole time, and now she's sharing some grim details about what life is like behind prison. Her trial is set to start in a couple of weeks. She'll be in court today for a pretrial hearing. With her trial now weeks away, Ghislaine Maxwell speaking out on conditions she says she's facing behind bars. The longtime confidant of Jeffrey Epstein, who has been in solitary confinement at New York's Metropolitan Detention Center for more than a year, telling the Mail on Sunday, I have not had a nutritious meal in all that time. I haven't slept without lights on, fluorescent lights that have damaged my eyes, or been allowed to sleep without constant interruptions. Have a look at what's happening for the first time in history. Actually, the British socialite who prosecutors say played a key role in Epstein's alleged sex trafficking network, claiming she feels weak and frail. I have no stamina. I am tired. I don't even have shoes which fit properly. Maxwell adding, I used to take a shower every day, but I've stopped because of the creepy guards who stand close and stare at me the whole time. Maxwell's trial starts in two weeks when she'll face charges of sex trafficking as well as conspiracy to entice and transport minors. Maxwell has pleaded not guilty to all counts. In 2019, one of Jeffrey Epstein's accusers, Virginia Roberts-Jufrey, told Savannah about the relationship she witnessed between Epstein and Maxwell. So I follow Keelan up the stairs <laughs> through Jeffrey's bedroom and into a bathroom, and there's this man laying naked on a green massage table in the middle of the room. That's the first time you laid eyes on Jeffrey Epstein. That's 
the very first time. And they looked at each other, and I call it the Cheshire cat grin, because he smiled and nodded, as in like approval. In the past, Maxwell has called Jufri a liar, but has not responded directly to the allegations made in that interview. This month, Maxwell has made multiple trips to court, including a pretrial hearing when a judge ruled her accusers can be referred to as victims, despite her defense team arguing the term could bias the jury. That jury will start to take shape. The selection process begins tomorrow. The Manhattan Detention Center did not get back to us, but that is their policy. The juror questioning begins tomorrow. Ghislaine Maxwell faces up to 80 years behind bars. Savannah? A closely watched trial for sure. Stephanie, thank you. We got uh, 742, and Mr. Roker, you are up. Well, we sure are, and we've got temperatures up out west where we've had some record-breaking temperatures out, and it's going to continue, but we've got a cold blast here in the east. So the difference is the jet stream. Uh, Milwaukee, 39 degrees for a high today, 41 in Pittsburgh. Knoxville, 9 degrees below average. But look at these temperatures on the other side of the jet stream. Denver, you're going to be 77 today, 73 in Rapid City. Dallas, 11 degrees warmer at 78 degrees. And that warmth starts to make its way to the east. By tomorrow, Chicago, you're at 53, 6 degrees above average. Little Rock, 77. Nashville, 73 degrees. That's 12 degrees above average. Same for Santa Fe. Uh, roller coaster temperatures, though. Chicago, by Thursday, Wednesday, you're 57. But down into the low 40s by Friday. Buffalo, low 40s by Friday. New York City will dip down to 50. And those temperatures, look at Nashville, 75 Wednesday, 55 on Friday. That is your latest weather, gang. All right, Al, thanks. Uh, coming up next, a former Japanese princess starting a new life right here in New York after giving up her title to marry the love of her life. An inside look at this very modern day fairy tale coming up after this. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. Hello parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Sparted Podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. We're back with a pretty cool story that's getting a lot of attention. Yeah, this morning, a former Japanese princess is beginning her new life right here in New York City. She's the emperor's niece, but decided to give up her royal status because she wanted to marry her college sweetheart, a commoner. That's a love story. NBC's Kathy Park joins us from JFK, where the newlyweds arrived over the weekend. Hey, Kath, good morning. Hey guys, good morning to all of you. Yeah, cameras followed the couple the minute they left Japan and landed here at JFK. They certainly are no strangers to the spotlight and public scrutiny over the relationship. So it appears they're here in the States to leave all of that behind. This morning, former Japanese princess Mako and her husband Kei Komuro are waking up as New Yorkers. The newlyweds landed in the city on Sunday to begin their new life outside the imperial family. 
DailyMail.com spotted the two getting dropped off in Manhattan. Press swarmed the airport in Tokyo, capturing the couple's final moments before their journey to the States. The spotlight has been on the pair ever since her 2017 engagement, when Mako announced she was giving up her royal status to marry a commoner. But it was a financial scandal involving Komuro's mother that made it more controversial and put the wedding on hold. Why is there so much attention surrounding this couple and also a lot of scrutiny as well? In this case, I think it was a bit of an exaggeration looking for something that may be wrong with this perfect picture of a young couple in love. For years in Japan, they were plagued by public disapproval and criticism. And Mako was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Last month, when the princess finally got married, minus a traditional wedding celebrations, she said it was a, quote, necessary choice to live while cherishing our hearts. So in a way, it does make sense that she is moving to New York, away from her home country, and perhaps it'll be a nice um, new fresh start for her. Mako is not the first Japanese royal woman to choose love over the crown, but the rules are different for men. The current emperor and the emperor emeritus as males, they both marry commoner women, but they did not have to give up their status. So this is part of the big debate. Why is there still this gender inequity? The couple has been compared to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who also moved to the U.S. following harsh media coverage back home. And like the British royals, the Camuros are looking to be financially independent. And when they married, Mako turned down more than $1 million that she was entitled to when leaving the imperial family. And as for what's next for the couple, Kay currently works at a law firm here in New York, but recently made headlines for not passing the bar exam. And as for Mako, she has a background in art curation, so it appears she'll be sticking with that path. Hoda, back to you. All right, Kathy, let's hear it for fresh starts. Yeah, yeah. Go. they get go. the privacy they want. Yeah. Yeah. I just love story. Coming up, your 8 o'clock hour.